Grace and mercy and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Perhaps you've either seen this prayer or maybe even prayed a prayer like this. It goes this way. So far today, God, I've done all right. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been grumpy or nasty or selfish. I'm really glad of that. But in a few minutes, God, I'm going to get out of bed. And from then on, I'm probably going to need a lot of help. Well, I think if truth were told, we all need a lot of help, and we all need a lot of help, especially in the area that we're going to be talking about today, which is living the worry-free life. And I know that that sounds almost impossible. But yet, you know, while we may never attain perfection, I do believe that we can go a long way towards reducing the amount of worry that we carry around. Now, our text this morning is found on the back of your worship folder. It's in Matthew chapter 6, and I'm going to start there at the uh, 24th verse. It says, and this is Jesus speaking, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now he's moving on and going to be talking about worry. Verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we dive into your word this morning, we know that it's a whole lot deeper than just simply you telling us not to worry. You understand us as human beings. We're not going to reach perfection this side of heaven. But Lord, you have something to teach each and every one of us today to reduce the amount of worry that we carry around. Lord, may we be open and willing listeners and learners. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, let's talk about worry. Well, we all do it. Uh, Not a person here that doesn't. We kind of want to get that out of the way at the beginning. Every one of us worries. Now, some of you worry about big things. Some of you worry about little things. But what I know about worry is it's all relative. What you worry about is really big to you. It may not seem that way to me. What I worry about may not seem much to you either. But we all worry nonetheless. And truth be told, it's really kind of hard to preach a a sermon about worry because we're also very guilty of it. And I also find it very hard to 
ever preach a sermon about worry is because when I do, I always look out at people and I see their faces and in those faces I see people that I know have experienced so much more than I've ever experienced and they've experienced some, some really great things in their life. And so it's kind of hard for me to stand up here and, and simply say to you folks, don't worry, be happy. Worry is really hard to get rid of. Let me tell you about how I learned that it's hard to get rid of something. A number of years ago, uh, I remember trying to throw a trash can away. And you know, a trash can is one of the hardest things to get a garbage man to pick up. <laughs> now, I set out an old rusty garbage can out in the street one morning, think that they, thinking that this guy would understand that it needed to be thrown out. But when I got home that night, there it was, stacked with all the rest of my garbage cans. <clears throat> well, the next week I took the garbage can, I put it out there upside down so that he could see that the bottom had a lot of rust holes in it and that he'd probably assume, well, this needs to be thrown away. But when I got home that night, there it was, sitting with the rest of my garbage cans. Well, the next week I thought, okay, I got a sledgehammer. And I took a sledgehammer to that can, and I beat it up pretty good, and I left it out in front. When I got home that night, there was that can again with the rest of my cans, <clears throat> and the garbage man had actually beaten the dents out of it. <clears throat> now, I don't know what to do. And I thought, aha, I know what to do. So I went to a hardware store, and I bought a heavy-duty chain and a padlock, and I chained that old garbage can to a large tree in the front of my yard, and sure enough, that night somebody stole it. Now, worry is a lot like that trash can. We know we need to get rid of it, but it's not that easy to accomplish. And one of the worst realities about worry is not that it's just present in our lives, it's how you and I respond to it in our lives. See, when the stuff of life happens, when we don't get our way, when our prayers don't get answered, when our kids go off the deep end, when our marriages break up, when there are car accidents or cancer, you name it, who generally ends up getting the blame? It's God. We end up often blaming the only person who is the total cure for all hurt, all worry. Now, I want you to know something. Worry is not the same as concern. I can say this, my wife's gone for a couple weeks. She's the worrier, I'm the concerner. That's an oversimplification. But see, concern says there's an issue and I can deal with it with God's help. Worry says, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if I can get through. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. See, worry is one of the devil's greatest weapons. It'll steal your joy, it'll steal your contentment, it'll steal your happiness, and when you get so wrapped up about tomorrow or yesterday, you don't even have energy to focus on today. And what's really ridiculous is most of what we worry about, how can I use this word? It's stupid. There was a study a few years ago, I'm sure it hasn't changed much, but they said 40% of the time we worry about things that will never happen. I had a dream once one time that there were bear traps set over all the floor in our entire house. I woke up in the morning, I was worried about putting my foot out of the bed. Well, 
It's not going to happen. People aren't going to set bear traps up. You guys aren't going to do that, are you? Um, 30% of the stuff we worry about can't be changed. Is it 12% of our worry is based on criticism, most of which is untrue, most of which is made by people who feel inferior and only want to tear you down? 10% of your worry relates to health, and guess what? Your health does not improve when you worry. So if you've been adding this all up, there's 8% of what you're worried about that would be a legitimate concern that you could actually do something about. Now, all I'm saying is most of the time when we worry, we worry about stuff that will never happen or stuff we have no control over. But still we worry about, well, you name it, we'll worry about it. Worry is a lot like putting your car into neutral and revving the engine. Waste gas, waste soil, hard on the engine, and it doesn't get you anywhere. That's why the Bible, particularly here in Matthew 6, is so very strong in its warnings about worry. Now, let me ask, what, what's, what's the problem with worry? Let me give you a few reasons. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you're worried that you can't find an outline in your worship folder, it's because this is the third different sermon I've written this week on this text. And the first sermon I wrote had no outline. That's why you've got no outline. That's in case you're worried about this. <laughs> me, I'm not concerned. I know that I'd get through this. God would help me. Uh, but for you worriers, I don't know, write something down somewhere else. But here are some reasons why we worry. Number one, or, 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 let's see, problems with worry. Number one, worry exhibits a lack of trust in God. I think we all know that. When we trust God, we don't worry. And when we worry, we do not trust God. Worry says, I have a problem, but I don't think God can take care of it. A second thing is that worry affects our relationships. One thing I've noticed in my life is that when I have a big event coming or a big project coming, I'm sometimes not the most pleasant guy to be around. But you know, when that sermon or that event or whatever is over, I, I'm one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. Maybe that's some of you too. Worry just ruins your relationships. Third thing is we know that worry damages our health. I mean, a great percentage of the illnesses that people suffer in this world today directly related to anxiety, stress, worry. Uh, up until at least a few years ago, I think the number one killer of people in America is heart disease. 38% of all people who die from heart disease uh, is because of hypertension, high blood pressure, and stress. Uh, a leading medical journal not long ago had a title that says, Is Stress the Cause of All Disease? Well, it says that it's certainly at the beginning of the century, bacteria was considered to be the center of attention. Today, bacteria is not the problem. They say it's mental stress, and mental stress has replaced bacteria. I have a book that I, I read a number of years ago. It's on my bookshelf at home. It's called Deadly Emotions. And in that book, it says, studies are linking more and more modern diseases to an epidemic of deadly emotions in our culture, and stress tops that list. But I know in the book of Job, in, the, in, in today's English version, in Job 5, verse 2, it says, to worry yourself to death would be a foolish, senseless thing to do. But how many people do that? They worry themselves to death. There's a fourth problem with worry, and that is that worry really hinders your witness. 
in Titus chapter 2, verse 10, it says that in every way we are to be making the teachings of Jesus more attractive to people. Now, we don't do that when we worry. The teachings of Jesus don't look very attractive to an outsider if they see a Christian who's always down in the mouth, always worrying. And see, sometimes we get so worried, we get so wrapped up in ourselves that we miss all the opportunities that God lays in front of us to share the good news of Jesus with. I mean, just think about this for a moment, friends. What kind of faith does it reveal to someone when we are so worried about every little detail of life? I mean, stop and think. I think those other people may be looking at you and say, you know, that person claims to be a Christian, but they're sure not presenting a picture where they believe that God can help them. We need to be careful in how we present ourselves and not let worry ruin our witness. Now, you might ask yourself, well, what causes all this worry beyond sin itself? Well, there are a couple of things I think do it. I mean, first of all, I think it's the affluence of our age. You and I live in a, a world today that is so consumed by materialism. I mean, I could have preached a whole sermon. In fact, I wrote one this week on just dealing with materialism. Ecclesiastes 5.12 says that the sleep of the laborer is sweet, but the abundance of the rich man gives him no rest. I think most of us always feel like the more we have, the more security we have. Man, is that one of Satan's lies from hell? I mean, the more stuff you got, what do you do? You got to go buy bigger locks. You got to put the ADT security system in front of your property. I grew up reading Donald Duck and Mickey Mouse like some of you. But you all remember Scrooge McDuck? Here is Scrooge McDuck. Scrooge McDuck had this big building on the top of a hill, and it was full of money. And he sat in it all the time on top of it to protect it. All that money did not make him happy. See, the more we have, the more we have to worry about. I think there's a second reason. I hate to beat up on the media, but I'm going to beat up on them anyway. You know, we've got global news that's pumped into our house every day. Very little of it is good news. When was the last time you turned on CNN or MSNBC or Fox News and they said, Good morning, we want to share the good news with you today. Instead, you know, we got them and newspapers that bring stuff in, and every day what do we hear about? We hear about terrorism, we hear about bombings, we hear about murder, we hear about war, we hear about crime, we hear about political corruption. And that's pumped in daily. And everything comes not with a positive spin, but with a negative spin. I want you to think about the weather for a moment. What do they say? They always say today's forecast calls for a 10% chance of rain. How come they never say we have a 90% chance of sunshine? I mean, it's always a negative. Now, I don't want to beat up the media because I mean, you do need to be informed. But I also think you need to remember that the media has to make it crucial. They have to make it sound important. And they often have to embellish it. That's as good a word as I can think. They need to, they make it, they need to seem true. What if tonight at 9 o'clock you had the TV on it? I mean, mine's been out since Thursday with the power, but no big deal. I, I read a 680-page book because of it. But what if tonight about 9 o'clock or Monday night at 9 o'clock there was a little announcement that came on your television and it said, nothing exciting happened today, so at 10 o'clock tonight we're going to run a Three Stooges cartoon and then we suggest you all go to bed happy. 
That ain't going to happen, folks. <laughs> They're not going to do it. I think there's a third reason for worry, a cause, and that is just simply life experience. The older you get, guess what? Sometimes the more you have to worry about. I I read this story the other day. It said, my 88-year-old grandfather was telling me about a date he had last week with a new lady friend he met in church. He said halfway through the service, she had to slap him. But once he started breathing again, they went ahead and sang the next hymn. Yeah, see, your worries don't end even when you're 88. Some of you remember Irma Bombeck. Irma Bombeck said, to be a parent is to worry. But friends, it's not just parenting. And, you know, I've got two kids, and the fact that one of them's 43 and one of them's 41 doesn't mean I don't worry about them anymore. I got a grandson, Josh, he's 19. You know, he's doing pretty good, but it doesn't mean I, I don't worry about him from time to time. So you can't, you know, where does worry affect us? I mean, there are some people who, you know, you can't afford to go on vacation, so you stay stressed. There are some people, you know, you don't leave a, if you don't leave a job, you'll never get ahead. But on the other hand, if you leave a job, people label you as unstable. I mean, experience just piles worries on you, or they can't. I think there's a fourth cause of worry, and that's just our pace of life. I mean, everything in this life is just so much go, 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 go. Uh, I, I can remember 20 years ago when my associate pastor said, don't you think we ought to have car phones? And I said, don't you think you're nuts? Well, then he come back a little while. Don't you think we ought to have pagers? And I'd say, don't you think you're crazy? I didn't want a car phone. I didn't want a pager. I didn't want an answering machine at home. I didn't want call screening at home. You know, call screening, that's just to decide who you want to talk to and who you don't. I mean, that's a pretty cruel instrument, actually, when you think about it. I didn't want all that nonsense. I didn't want fax machines. I didn't want to be linked up wherever I want. Guess what? Today I carry a BlackBerry. I am so linked up, it's, it's unbelievable. I get my email. I get text messages. I, I can go right to the Internet. I mean, I've, I've got all my addresses, phone numbers in there. I've got my calendar in there. You know, we seldom relax, it seems, today. And I really doubt God intended that the nervous systems he created us with were intended to live at the pace of life that we live. That's why God called for a Sabbath day's rest. Now, the word for worry comes from an Anglo-Saxon word, which means to choke or strangle. You know that? You say, I'm really worried. What you're saying is, I'm really choked. I'm really strangled. See, that's what worry does. It chokes us and it strangles us. Uh, It it just chokes the joy out of us. It chokes the spiritual life out of us. It just chokes our friendship. And see, he's talking about something really, really serious here in the text. John 14.1 says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Friends, this morning, can you say that your heart is not troubled? I can't. I'll be honest, I admit, I've got a few troubled things in my life. I'm troubled about them. Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious in anything. Can you say that you're never anxious? I can't. So what are we going to do about it? I haven't got the vaguest idea. God bless you. See you next week. (laughs) 
That'd worry some of you, wouldn't it? It'd worry you if there was no help in the Bible. Let me give you four things to think on. They're all scriptural. Number one, this is a no-brainer. Slow down. Slow down. I, I think there's a huge correlation between hurry and worry. Now, maybe one of the reasons we worry so much is that we're part of a society that it seems like more on the clock and more in a hurry than ever before. We're in a hurry, and what happens, we end up minoring on the majors and majoring on the minors. We miss out on all the fun stuff of life. I'm going to back up to almost 40 years ago when I first went out as a teacher, and I was the principal of a K-8 school, and, and, and I loved it. I, I loved teaching. I loved doing all that kind of stuff. But I was one of those people that had kind of deluded himself into the harder you work, the more you like people like you. And so I, what I discovered was within the first couple of years of teaching, I would get up and I'd be out of the house before my kids were ever awake. And I'd work so hard so long that I'd come home after my kids were in bed. And so sometimes Friday about 6 o'clock when I'd walk around, I'd come down the block, my kids would run down the corner and they'd go, Daddy's home, Daddy's home. And I thought that was so cool, they loved me. But... That was their strange way of saying, where have you been? And I thought, I'm spending so much time doing so much nonsense. Not that it's not good stuff, but it's not the best stuff. We're too busy to take care of the things that are important. Our faith life, our home life, our church life, those kinds of things. See, for most of us, I don't think the great danger is that any of us will ever renounce our faith. I, I don't really worry too much about that. But I think sometimes that some of you, and I, I, I sense the temptation in my own life sometimes, but some of us will become so distracted by life, will be so rushed in life, so preoccupied with the stuff, that we will end up settling for a mediocre version of Christianity. That happened to you, that you're so rushed and so hurried that you've settled for a mediocre relationship with Jesus. Friends, there are some things we just plain simple need to slow down so we can be reminded of what really matters. We need to slow down and reflect on the promises of God. I, I, I hunted up a few of them for you. We need to slow down and remember that God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ever ask or imagine. We need to slow down and remember that all things work for the good of them who love God. We need to slow down and remember that greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. We need to slow down and remember that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed someday. We need to slow down and remember that God created the heavens and the earth. We need to slow down and remember that God is God and you're not. We need to slow down and remember that in my Father's house are many mansions. We need to slow down and remember that the Lord is my shepherd and I will not be in want. We need to slow down and remember that there is no condemnation for those who are found in Christ Jesus. Friends, you've got to slow down to think about that stuff. The second thing I'd tell, tell you, just learn to live one day at a time. Do it as best as you can. Don't borrow tomorrow's worries and drag them into today. I mean, worry is experiencing crisis before it ever happens. We spend a lot of time sometimes worrying about the future that we can't do anything about. I mean, we ask ourselves all these what-if questions. I mean, what if there's an earthquake? What if there's more straight-line winds? What if there's hail? I mean, what if there's cancer? What if there's an accident? Guess what? What if 
I think what if is worry's favorite words. I came across an interesting article not long ago. It's a long-term study of 4,000 men. They found that of the 4,000 men in the study, 38 of them had sudden heart attacks on Monday, while only 15 of them had that heart attack on Friday. These were men who had no history of heart disease. Guess what? Monday was really dangerous. I think there's kind of a lesson here for us. I mean, why is Monday so bad? I mean, some of you live for the weekend because you know Monday's going to come around, or this week, Tuesday's going to roll around, and you know you got all that stuff to do. And, and so that first day, you go back, and you're so filled with worry and anxiety. But you know, by Friday, sometimes you get around, and you go, it can wait. It's no big deal. The Bible says, don't worry about tomorrow because you can't really control tomorrow. Worry has enough, today has enough of its own problems. I think here's the third thing we need to remember right from the text, and that's to keep a long-term perspective. I mean, Jesus said, keep your eyes on the prize. Focus on heaven. He said, seek first my kingdom. Develop an eternal perspective. Now, if I knew that my house or the parsonage was going to burn down tomorrow, how much time would I spend worrying about how to decorate it today? I mean, think about it. Ten years from now, 20 years from now, 50 years from now, 100 years from now, a lot of stuff that you guys are worried about right now won't make one bit of difference. It will not make one bit of difference that you're five pounds overweight. It will not make one bit of difference that your kids didn't make straight A's or weren't elected to be all state in something. It won't make one bit of difference that your spouse put a dent in the fender of your car. Let me tell you what's going to make a difference. What's going to make a difference someday, 5, 10, 15, 100 years from now, is your heart and your heart's relationship to God through Jesus. What's going to make a difference is your character. Who are you when nobody else is looking? Are you the same person on Monday as you profess to be on a Sunday morning? What makes a difference is your generosity. Are you a first fruit giver? Are you a person who wants to share your time, talent, and treasure? What's most important, of course, is your salvation. Can you say today, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior? All I'm saying is slow down, don't borrow tomorrow's motives, worries, and keep a long-term perspective. And last and most important, remember God's faithfulness. We probably could have sang Great is Thy Faithfulness this morning. It's a good one to remember. We just need to learn to trust the providence of God. To learn to trust that God will do what God has always promised to do. In our text today, it says that birds trust God to meet their daily needs. But you know something? God doesn't walk around and drop a worm in their mouth every morning. Trusting God does not mean that we become lazy or indifferent. It just means that we come to the point where we know God will provide all of our needs. See, by worrying, we actually call God a liar. You know that? When we worry, we literally call God a liar. We're saying, God, I know you can keep the sun, the moon, and the stars in their orbit. I know you can sustain all of life. I know you can answer all the prayers that are prayed all around the world all at the same time. I know that you've always been in control of the past, but God... I don't think you can take care of what I'm going through now. That's why I'm worrying about it. 
we actually had an affirmation of faith before of stuff we said we believed to be true about God. And yet I know that all of us can very easily turn around and say, but, but God, you're not dealing with this pain. You're not dealing with this person. You're not dealing with this situation. My life verse is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It's one that I, I plant in the back of my mind because I so desperately need this Bible verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Worry says, I don't think God can really do that. Worry says, I don't believe God can handle this one. Worry says, I've actually come up with a sin and a problem that God himself can't handle. And to all of that, God still smiles at us and says, try me. Just try me. Maybe this morning what we all need to do is to make a decision right here, right now, that we will give over that one thing that has really been bugging us. That one thing that we've really been worrying about. And right now we need to give that over to God and put our trust in Him and believe by the power of the Spirit that all things will work together for the good of those who love Him. Let's pray. Father, I'm not a mind reader. You are. You know what's on our hearts and minds right now. You know everybody in this room. You know what's going on in their lives. You know that each of us have worries, and sometimes we, we try to excuse our worries by actually calling them concerns. But they're worries nonetheless. We've got ourselves wrapped up in problems so deep that we can't even begin to see you anymore. Lord, this morning, I, I'm going to be honest with you. There are things that go beyond concern in my life that are genuine worries. And I know I should not worry about them because I know I can't control them. Many of them probably will never, ever happen. Many of them are not all that important to begin with. The people that are here today are the same. They've got those issues that they deal with in life. I'm praying this morning that each and every one of us in our own way would just release those things, at least to release that one thing that's been worrying us, and to give that over to you to let go and let God, to put our trust in you and know that you can handle anything and everything. We pray it in your precious name. Amen. As we gather our tithes and offerings this morning, uh, we're going to be singing a... Uh, a familiar old song. I don't even know, I'm not sure if this song is even in the hymn book, but I, I liked it nonetheless. It's called Seek Ye First the Kingdom of God. 
as we collect our tithes and offerings also, don't forget to sign the little uh, guest registry you find at the end of each row. Take the time to uh, pass it to the people next to you. And if you don't know who those people are sitting in the name, the same row with you, uh, shame on you. <laughs> and if you look across the other side of the church and you see people you don't know, don't let these people over here sneak out so fast that you don't get a chance to meet them or vice versa. Find somebody. In fact, let me challenge you this morning. Ushers, don't let anybody out this morning until they've said good morning to somebody that they've never said good morning to before. That sounds like a fair deal to me. Let's gather our offerings and let's sing.